It's a happy Sunday. It is. Um, yeah, and during prayer, the verse came to mind that um, what the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And uh, just a moment of honesty, I was like, hey, I'm not there yet, but uh, I just wanted to let y'all know that's what the Bible says. Uh, the Bible does say, can y'all hear me? I'm sorry. Am I good? Loud enough? There is freedom. Uh, and so, um, yeah, we're not in First Peter today. Um, going to preach a sermon that maybe uh, three or four years ago I preached and uh, it's kind of my, um, a passage that I go to when I'm sharing the gospel. Uh, if, if, if I'm with somebody and I wanted to tell them the gospel, I would usually go to uh, Luke 15 and I would tell them about the, the prodigal son. And it was just, I just think it's a, a story that we can follow and kind of connect with. And so uh, that's where we're going to be today, uh, Luke uh, chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Um, if you don't know, uh, my name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, pastor Kanan's out today, and, uh, and Pastor Derek's here. But uh, yeah, I get to, I get every once in a while, I get a chance to uh, bring the word, and I, I love doing this. It is, um, no matter it, how hard it is in, in preparation sometimes to to think about the, the weight of the responsibility, I still love doing this. I love being able to stand before you and communicate what I'm learning, what God is teaching me uh, on a daily basis. And so that's what I want to do. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Uh, God, grateful um, that, yeah, that your spirit is here. Thank you. Thank you for your spirit. I'm going to be honest. I need your spirit right now. So thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the faithfulness of your spirit. Holy Spirit, with you, would you teach us from your word today? Would you open our eyes to truth? Holy Spirit, would you use me as a, as a vessel, as a tool to, to communicate this word? Would you open my eyes? Would you open our eyes here today to truth? Would we be completely convinced of your love? of who you are, the gospel. Uh, we use that word a lot, but we would be convinced of the truth of the gospel today. As we read, as we talk, as I preach, convince us of the truth of your love in Jesus Christ today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go back here. Oh, can somebody close that? back door. Um, yeah, Luke, Luke 15. And um, we're actually going to, we're going we're to look at the whole chapter. So it's not a, it, it's a, it's a parable. 
uh, is several parables. Actually, it's three parables we'll be looking at today. And uh, if you don't know what a parable is, parable is um, it, it's it's a short allegory, <clears throat> uh, a story designed to illustrate or teach some important truth. Um, so there's there's been times in the, in the Bible that um, that Jesus would say, "Hey, there was a merchant or, or like a uh, store owner uh, who found the pearl. Finding the pearl, he went and sold everything he had." Um, he went and sold everything he had and, and, and bought it. Um, so the reason he used merchant is because those who he was talking to understood what a store owner did, right? He knew, he, he knew that if, if there was a merchant out there, he knew what it, the risk they were taking in, in buying a product and hoping that would, they would gain. And so the connection that he was making or, or he wanted them to see it says, just like when you make this sacrifice uh, of, of, of buying a product and hoping that you would come out with a profit, they were connecting that dots. And, and, and for me, I'll give it, for me, anything you relate to baseball, I, I get it. You know, I was talking to Evie the other day and she was like, what's wrong? She was doing some videos and I was like, man, I just can't close it out in the ninth inning. And she was like, but I understood. That's how I, I think. Right, Mark, you got me. I, I like I'm I'm having problems finishing. You know, we start off good and I can't finish it. And so Jesus used things like this to connect the dots on spiritual matters. And, and throughout Luke, um, we we see this. He, he's writing to a Gentile audience that may not have all these spiritual lingual uh, uh, things that that to connect with. He, he's, you know, Matthew uh, writing to a mostly Jewish audience. So he was quoting Old Testament passages and all kind of stuff. And you saw all these prophecies being fulfilled. Luke, he wants to tell the stories where these Gentile believers can connect the dots with agriculture. He said, man, there was three soils. You know, there was three soils. One of them, uh, that seed fell on rocky soil or along the path and the birds ate it up. So guess what? People, agriculture, know that those seeds aren't going to grow. And then there was another soil, Jesus says. There, there was a, a soil that, that, where the seed fell on the rocky soil, and it didn't, like, really get a root. So they, they imagine that seed not rooted, uh, getting a good root and, and, the, and the sun scorching it. And then the third soil. And so we're following these parables, and, and, and these people are following these parables. Why? because they can connect it to what they do on a daily basis. And, and that's, what, that's what Jesus did. He used these parables to, to help communicate a spiritual truth. Well, uh, what's interesting about these three parables, there's, the first parable is a parable uh, of a lost coin. Uh, a lady loses uh, one of ten coins. And, and, and instead of her saying, you know what, I got nine, I'm good. No. She pushes everything in her house out of the way to find that one coin. And then you'll see, I'll read a little bit of it, but she celebrates. It's crazy. You know, the one. And then the, uh, the, the uh, I'm sorry, the second. I, that was the second one. The first one is actually the, the one that we're really familiar with. Uh, he goes and searches for the one. He leaves the 99 behind, and he goes to search for that one lost sheep. Y'all heard that 
story before, that parable. Uh, he, he's, he's really trying to, um, he, he's connecting um, them with, with what they do on a daily basis, maybe a, a, a profession they have. And he's saying, hey, Jesus left the 99 in the open field and went to uh, find the one. And then the, the last parable, he, he, he tells of a, of a prodigal son, and, and that's kind of where we'll end today. But, but all it is is to just communicate a, a strong spiritual truth. Oh, what I was saying was is that he does the same parable or the same type of parable three times to communicate a specific truth. So let's look at verse 1. Verse 1 of, of chapter 15 of Luke. It says, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. Okay? Um, and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, that's the, like a super important part in understanding why he's about to launch into three different parables. It says... This man, no, okay, verse 2. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, that part right there. They were grumbling. I'm not sure what your translation said. They were not very happy. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. All right? So whatever the Pharisees and scribes and the teachers of the law thought Jesus or, or, or the Messiah should have looked like or should have been, this was, Jesus was not it. Jesus was nothing like what they thought they pictured what the Messiah should look like. Or even, even more specifically, and what we'll talk about today is like, they had God wrong. <laughs> they had the, the, their perspective of the, of the character and nature of God was like, like way messed up. Because they, they were grumbling. And so he launches into uh, this parable. Um, in verse 3 it says, So he told this parable, What man among you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts on his shoulder and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine righteous people who don't need repentance. There is a there's there's obviously uh, a care for this lost sheep. This is one of his, his own. This is one of, of, of his children, one of his that he's taking care of, that he's responsible for. So if you ever thought that, man, you know what? God's really uh, not too interested in me. Well, remember, this is in response of, of, a, of a bad perspective, a bad understanding of who God was, right? They're grumbling because Jesus is is, is healing people on the Sabbath, right? He's, uh, he, he, he's loving uh, a Samaritan woman, or he, 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 he's touching a leper. I mean, he's everything, everything they, they don't, they don't uh, connect with holiness and, and, and who God is. And so uh, God is helping them understand it by talking about these, 
99 sheep that's left in the field, but he goes after this one. And not only does he go after this one, he, he, when he finds it, he puts it on his neck and he carries it home and he celebrates. There's a celebration that goes on. Um, <clears throat> so so what, we're, we're just continuing to see, and, and these three parables are just going to continue to press in who God is, really, rather than who we uh, make him out to be, make him out to be. Um, the second parable, uh, verse 8, starting in verse 8, it says, uh, what woman who has 10 silver coins, if, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, rejoice with me, because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. There's activity going on in search of this coin, right? Uh, we, we think God's just sitting back and letting us deal with, uh, or letting us just run from him. But he is actively pushing desks and pushing couches out of the way and beds out of the way and lifting, you know, sofa cushions in search of this one coin, that the picture is us. The picture of, 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 of he, he is the, the, the person that is, is, is actively reaching out to us and loving us and calling us back. And not only that, he celebrates. There's, a, there's, a, there's basically a party that happens when we repent. There's a party that happens when he finds this lost coin or he finds this, this sheep that was lost. There's an intimacy. There's a uh, there's an active um, uh, desire to see you back in the fold. This is this is the picture. This is the the image that we should come up with when we think about uh, our God. It, Old Testament or New Testament, whatever we read, we see constantly. If, if y'all have been doing your CBR, you, you'll see in Ezekiel constantly. He's not just, <clears throat> just saying that, hey, I'm going to uh, punish Israel, but he's always saying in there, man, if they repent, if they repent, if they repent, because there's a, constantly a desire for his people to, to, to seek him and to know him again. I believe uh, that Jesus really wanted to drive home to the Pharisees and us what the real character and nature in God is. Uh, these three parables come in response to the Pharisees grumbling. I think we commonly do this in, in the church or as a preacher. We're so quick to start telling people what God wants uh, you to do. Uh, we, we, we want to tell you um, what God uh, ha, has commanded you to do, and, and instead of wanting to give you a better picture of who, who God is. Um, and, and here's the reality, that we believe at Pillar that, that if we give you a, a better picture of who God is, if we point you to Jesus, if we constantly draw your eyes to Jesus, that, that we won't have to tell you what to do. You'll go to Jesus 
for your comfort. You'll go to Jesus for your guidance. You'll, you'll understand how to live your life based off of not what Pastor Canaan has told us to do, but what Jesus has called us to do. Uh, we're here to love you, to counsel you, to, to walk with you in your pain. But ultimately, what we want to do is point you to Jesus. And so, so more than anything, what I want to come out of this is for you to see Jesus. Many times we read these parables, we become the evangelist, right? We become the lady pushing the cushions over to find the lost coin. Or sometimes we, we become the shepherd, you know, looking for our uh, lost sheep. We're the evangelists. We're, we're, you know, go preach the gospel and, and, and share the gospel. Be like this shepherd or be like this woman looking for the coin. We're the coin that's lost. <laughs> we're we're, we're the sh- actually the sheep that is lost. And so, uh, so the priority, the intention, the intention in which Jesus uh, tells them these stories is, is that they would have a better understanding of who, who God is, who God is. Um, the, the last parable uh, is, is starting in verse 11. Uh, he also said a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, uh, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that, of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put, on, uh, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and, it, and, and let's celebrate with a feast because the son of mine, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And then the, the, the last part is about the older son. We'll, we'll get to that. But let's, let's talk about what, what has just happened. The picture is, is, is this father with two sons and and, and one of the sons uh, came to the father early and, and basically says, hey, before you die, before you die, I want my, my share of my estate before you die. And, and, it, and it sounds like, like this is the younger son. This is not even the older son who's supposed to get this stuff. The younger son is, is, is asking for his, for, for his share. 
this is a slap in the face for a father in this time because he, he's basically saying, I wish you were dead so that I can have my stuff. This is a, a, a slap in the face. He takes, his, he takes his share. The father gives it to him. He takes his share. And he goes to a distant land and he wastes it. He squanders it in wild living. The wild living, the, this idea of, of reckless wild living is like somebody just jumping, free falling. No, no control, right? No, no idea of, of where they're going to land, but they just, you know, just whatever. Um, that there's, a, there's a lot of, of this going on, and, and I noticed, like, in the last 10 years, this, um, this deconstruction of our faith. We, we see this in, uh, in, in a lot of Christian, mainstream Christianity now. We see people walking away from the, the faith because they're deconstructing it. They, they, they want what? They want freedom. They want, well, well they, they, see, they see problems in the Bible. They see uh, things that, that they don't like about you know, pain and suffering. So they begin to deconstruct our faith. They begin to rethink what, what their mom and dad ha, has taught them, what the church ha, has taught them. And a lot of this comes from this idea that there is, there's freedom. There's, there's this idea that, you know what, where happiness is, is where freedom is. Where people are, God is not telling me the details of how to live and how to understand. Of, of, of I need to be able to not pursue the God's glory, but I need to pursue my own happiness and my own glory. Uh, um, there is an uh, a idea that, you know what, they're becoming a slave to this Bible, but recognizing, and then we, we see, what do we see in the prodigal son? We see him going, squandering his wealth, and becoming a slave. It's ironic that, that he was looking for freedom, and where did he find himself? He found himself a servant, a servant feeding pigs. So this idea that some kind of way, if I don't have this, this ultimate authority, if I can just go and, crea and create a, a place of freedom, if I can live a life of of, of no the responsibility of, of telling me what's wrong and what's right and, and just, oh, I just need to, you know what, I just need to love people and that is going to be, I, I, I'm free from, from somebody telling me how to love. They become a slave. Become a slave to what? Slave to, to happiness. <laughs> I got to be happy. I got to be fulfilled. Well, if you've lived life long enough, this earth does not, this, nothing here on, on this earth fulfills. And we become a slave to this, this idea that there's just this happiness somewhere, that is, there's just fulfillment. If I just do a little bit more, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. Maybe if I get married, I'll be happy. Maybe, maybe if I got a better job, you know what? You know what? I, I, I've been trying to do it the right way. I need freedom from this so I can find uh, a, a more success, more popularity, and then I'll be fulfilled. And then all of a sudden they become a slave to actually that. They become a slave to, to those things in, in our life. We, we, we become slaves to the one thing that we were running from, right? Thinking that, that, that this would bring us freedom.
we must, but the idea here we see in this prodigal son, he comes to his senses, the Bible says. What does that look like? You ever had a moment of clarity after a deep depression where, where nothing, nothing you were doing, nothing you were doing was working and was making sense? Uh, you and your spouse are arguing and there's no sign of relief. Uh, you've been talking to your child about the same thing over and over and they keep doing the same thing. The things at your, at your job, you, you're at your job and, and the same coworker keeps frustrating you and nothing, and, and you're, you're loving him and you, and then all of a sudden God gives you this perspective, gives you these eyes to see that you've never had before. He opens your eyes, you come to your senses, a moment of clarity, a moment of understanding, of seeing him and seeing rightly what is actually going on. This man was in his father's home, had the food that he needed, had the clothing that he needed, he had all that he needed, and he's sitting here craving the pods that the pigs were eating. <laughs> he comes to his senses. Thank God that God gives us those moments of clarity where we say, oh, the enemy is not my wife. Oh, golly. I thought, the en I thought she was the enemy. We have this, this moment of clarity to realize that, hey, this life, this, this earth, this is not my home. This moment of clarity is that I store up treasures in heaven. That God hasn't promised me you know, uh, 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 you know, perfect and bliss here on earth. This moment of clarity where the Bible begins to make sense. That's what he had. This moment of clarity is like, oh, my father was taking care of me. I was good. His hired servants are living better than what I'm living right now. That moment of clarity. Uh, I am no longer worthy. And so he, he prepares his speech, right? He says, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to tell him, I'm going to repent. I'm going to tell him that I don't even deserve to be your son. I don't deserve to be in your house. Just make me like one of your hired slaves, because that would be better than what I am. And so he, he goes home, and, and the father, seeing him a long way off, and what does the Bible says? It says, had compassion. Had compassion. This is the picture. This is the picture that, the, that Jesus wants to give the Pharisees and Sadducees and his disciples and the teachers of the law. He's like, that picture you had about God before? No. God is the father with compassion for the son that says, I wish you were dead. I want all my stuff. God is the, is the father of the compassion where he sees the son a long way off and he wants to hug him. He wants to hold him. He wants to say, welcome home. And, and, and if you see, he, he gets through part of the speech. 
Father, I've sinned against you. Or I've sinned against God. And, and I don't deserve. Before he even. Hey, go kill the, the uh, uh, go, go prepare a barbecue, basically. I forget with the wording. Go start the barbecue grill. And go put shoes on his feet, put a ring on his finger and, and, and shoes on his feet to show, hey, a distinction that this is not one of my hired servants. This is a, a, a person of this home. This is one of my children. Put shoes on his feet so nobody gets confused that this is my child. Put the ring on his finger so he has a, a semblance that he, he belongs here and he's one of mine. Man, what a crazy thing to go from this idea that that God is this is this, you know, this this ruler that 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 hammers down sinners. And 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 as soon as we stray away a little bit, God hates us or, or we have to uh, find our way to 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 um, make God love us again. No. The picture or the parable of the story to show who, you, uh, who God is, is he leaves the 99 to go find the one. He goes and pushes everything aside to find that one lost coin. Though he squandered all of his wealth and he cursed me, basically, when he repents, I love him, and I can't wait to hold him and hug him and kiss him so that I can remind him of my love for him. There's the picture. They grumbled. They grumbled. Do we grumble sometimes because we have a bad picture of who God is, a bad understanding of who God is? I had a good conversation uh, with one of my kids uh, the other day, and she said, well, well so if, when I sin, does that make God hate me? My kids have heard the gospel 300 times. But she had this picture, some kind of way, maybe we gave it to her, this picture of, of God hating her because she messed up. Because of a mess up. And so we easily fall into that. I fall into those. And, and I want to I wanna ask, when, so when she asked me the question, I wasn't, you know, blown away. I was like, man, she needs that moment of clarity, right? And I said, let's, let's, let's rethink about what sin is. Let's think about sin like this. Sin is your rebellion against God, not God's hatred or rebellion against you. God showed his love by sending his son and forgive you for your past, present, and future sins. That's the gospel. So when you walk away, when you sin, don't think it's God hating me or God not wanting to be around me. It's you walking away from him. It's rebellion. Sin is rebellion against God. You can't make me happy, but boy, this can. <laughs> we, we, we're saying, God, you, you're not enough. This, this over here is better. That's what the prodigal son did, right? This home, this, 
All this stuff that I have is not enough. Give me my share and let me go and have my freedom. Remember, sin is us walking away from God. Why do we fight sin? We fight sin so that we can have intimacy with God. We don't fight sin so we can look good. So we can say, man, Eric's a pretty good person. No, we fight sin because we find intimacy in God in fighting that sin. Because sin, what does it do? It's re- it, it is us walking away from God. Not God walking away from us. Here's the picture. Here's the image that Jesus wants us to have of him. That he's a loving God, that he's a, he's a God that forgives and compassionately and has compassion for the lost sinner, for the one who cursed him. He has compassion for the son. If we had a, a biblical picture of God, I believe it would change things. In us personally, I think it would change things in our church. A biblical picture. I wouldn't have to say, hey, we're going to do some evangelism next week. Or, or man, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go serve next week in, 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 in East Fort Worth. We're going to do this and that. And we, I mean, I want, our desire is for this to be so deep so true in your own heart, in your own life, that this is your response to sinners, right? This is Jesus' response to us, sinners. Our response to sinners, to those who, 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 who need to know the gospel, there's the picture, there's the example. I said this was, what, we, weren't, we aren't the evangelists, But now that we have the picture of who God is, I believe now we can be the evangelists. I don't think before we were good evangelists, right? Pharisees were terrible. They put weights and the Sadducees put weights and and laws and and things to do on on people. Weights and laws, they weren't even, (laughs) they weren't doing. They didn't even want to carry those weights. So I would hate to call you to engagement or to, 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 to evangelism without this picture of who God is. Because what would you do? You go evangelize and create uh, legalistic followers of the Bible, right? Of their own rules and regulations. Man, as you share with your kids and you share with your, your coworkers and your roommates and you share in the grocery stores, let it be this picture that you share of God's love. A forgiving God, a compassionate God, a God that, that cares and, and loves and that forgives. I had a few thoughts in, in preparing for this. One of my thoughts was, I wonder if the church, Pillar Church, you see, they threw parties, right? Every time a loss 
coin would be found or sheep or they threw parties and I, and I thought about this celebration and, and I thought about our maybe our lack of lack of seeing people come to know you see you come to their senses to know that you love them and that Jesus died for them the church itself its joy goes up and down on that, on that, on seeing people come to faith. We share, when we share our faith and when people come to know you, when we begin to baptize people, there's a celebration that happens at Pillar that happens in the church. There's a, there's a joy that happens when we see lost people. Our eyes are open to, to the gospel. Guys, we do a call and engagement at, at every Sunday. And it's, it's a real call. It's a real call for you to open your mouth, to open your life to those around you, to share the truth of the gospel. For you to come into this building telling us stories of either rejection or someone coming to faith after sharing. There's an excitement, there's an energy within this church that happens, regardless of somebody's coming to, to faith, actually. But if you're sharing your faith, if you're sharing this picture of who God is, It does something to us as a church when we're walking in obedience to who God is. Second thought that I had from reading this and preparing for this, Jesus is around four or three types of people here. He's around his disciples. He's around lost sinners. Well, four, I, I know the fourth one I had. It's, it's kind of political, but uh, he's around his disciples. He's around the lost or the sinners. He's around the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Would be the Pharisees would probably be the conservative, and then the Sadducees would be more liberal. He's around all of them. <laughs> he's speaking the picture and the character of God to all of them. This idea that the only friends we can have or the only people that we can relate with are people who agree with us, <laughs> that's, not, that's not Jesus' time on earth. Why are you hanging out with a Samaritan woman? Why are you with this woman? She's a sinner, do you not know? I have come to seek and save the lost, not the found. <laughs> so, so we're learning so much in, in these parables. We're learning so much from, from Jesus, his life. This story is told to four groups of people, maybe five, six groups of people. But, guys, we don't live in a bubble. 
we shouldn't live in a bubble where, where everybody around us agrees with us or, or thinks like us. No, we trust the Spirit to, to, to communicate this picture, this amazing truth to lost sinners. Second Corinthians 5.18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We see the prodigal son being reconciled in this party, right? In this putting on the shoes. He's being reconciled to his father. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. He's making his appeal through us. He's using our testimony, our story of being a lost sinner and him saving us. He's using that story in our heart and mind. He's using that gospel to make his appeal to the world. That's how it goes. It's through us. It's as we understand that we are the prodigal son. It's as we begin to understand that we're the lost sheep, we're the lost coin, that we begin to communicate to others. We start to make, we, are, we, we begin to see that God's making his appeal through us in this. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for him. story of the prodigal son. Wow. We didn't heard the story so many times. Over and over and over. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful reminder of your love and compassion for us. What a beautiful reminder of who you are. May that, may that picture fill our minds. The picture of a loving father seeing us all raggedy and, and shame <laughs> and coming home Pray that we see you as that father that loves us despite our sin, despite our reckless living, despite our attitude towards you. You love us and you're calling us home and you can't wait till we come back. Remind us that our sin is rebellion against you. It's re rebellion against intimacy 
with you. May we, may we not be fooled by the enemy who, who wants to say he doesn't love you anymore. Help this story come to mind when we hear the enemy. This story, may we say you are a liar. And the truth is, is that I'm loved. God, I pray that this picture would be so deeply rooted in, in us personally, but also Pillar Church would be known to, to communicate this character, this nature of who you are. A loving God that calls sinners in and reconciles them to himself. Help us to walk this out, I pray, in Jesus' name.